Wednesday, March 3rd. Incredible show. Let's get right to it, huh, Ty? Yeah, sounds good. Hey. I'll tell you what. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting going in, but this certainly does not disappoint. We said this yesterday. We thought today was going to be a big one. Yeah. Hey, it paid off. Today's show is fucking awesome. All right, let's get to it. Hey, by the way, if you enjoy this show, please be a friend, tell a friend. Let's continue to try to grow this thing, okay? <laughs> yep. And if you don't like your show, exactly going to happen. All right. Uh, the boys are buzzing in the office, as am I, yeah, because yeah. in roughly 22 minutes and five seconds, we will be joined by MCDC, yes. Motor City Dan Campbell, head coach of the Detroit Lions. Cannot wait to chat with him about everything that has taken place in his life over the last month or two, from his press conference to the decisions they've been making. I'm not allowed, okay? Hey, listen, this particular show operates much different than most shows. All right. Um, turn down guests if there's, you know, hey, you got to pitch this, this, do this. You got this time out or whatever. I'm like, all good. I'm a fan. Don't want that to be how our conversation goes, though. I had a chance to actually potentially uh, make content with Tiger fucking Woods. And Tiger Woods, his entire people said, you can do this. You can do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. And I said, all right, I can't set the precedent that that's what I'm going to do. I appreciate it. Big fan. Will always love the man. Uh, but that's not how this so thing. They say, cool, they move on. So I try to set a precedent that I won't just, you know, abide by these people's rules. Sure. I promise if you come on the show, you're going to look good, I would assume, okay? Mm-hmm. It, there's been a couple that have looked terrible. Shout out Jerry Rice. Worst interview I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> there are some other people as well. We just didn't have good chemistry. But if you come on the show, it's probably going to make you look good, okay? You're probably going to have a good time. And whatever you're selling, we'll get to. Like, it's not going to mm-hmm. be, though, it's not going to be like the thing, but we'll get to whatever. And by the way, we hope people become a fan of you so that whatever you do they'll follow so if it's a sponsorship okay they're a fan of the person so no matter what the sponsorship is they're going to go for it. the foundation you know that's kind of the goal of the show let's not set any per uh you know parameters or, or, or things we can't talk about i got a message yesterday about uh, my conversation with mcdc he is not allowed by the nfl's rules like strict rules. He's not allowed to talk about Jared Goff being their quarterback next year or Matthew Stafford not being their quarterback because that trade hasn't been official yet. The mm-hmm. NFL says he is not allowed to talk about that at all. So I'll be intrigued to see how I dance around that. <laughs> Would I have agreed to this conversation with MCDC if I knew that? Yes, because this isn't MCDC making these rules. It's the NFL making these rules. So I want to make sure that that's like known you know, going forward that this is, but I don't know how the fuck I'm, I didn't know this until last night or this morning, basically, I got this message. What am I supposed to do? How are we supposed to, that's kind of the whole, that's where the team begins and ends is we got a new quarterback. We got a new, new gunslinger at Ty Schmidt. How am I supposed to bounce around that? And and how, I'm sure he'll be able to talk like, well, quarterback going forward is a guy who Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So I'll probably say, let's say it's uh, your quarterback next year. (laughs) <laughs> that particular player, what are you looking for out of that player? Mm-hmm. That's what we'll have to do. We'll just say quarterback X. QB1. QB1. QB1 is what we'll do. QB1 at Bubba Gumpino. What a, by the way, great shirt. Motor City Dan Campbell shirt you got great on. Shirt. I think he'll respect that, although he is a Metallica fan. MCDC, a playoff of ACDC. I believe those two fan bases are kind of – I think Butt they kind of go head-to-head or whatever because those two make incredible songs. I'm not 100% sure I'm not in that community as much as I should be, but I can't wait to talk to MCDC about QB1 and Detroit and all the decisions they made. Just a comment the other day about being a true alpha knows when to concede for the betterment of the group. I mean, I feel like this is going to be loaded with 
action. And mm-hmm. also, today in the second hour, is it head coach Wednesday? It's head yep. coach. Head coach Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, Arthur Smith, new head coach of the Falcons. Oh, yes. One Sorry. hour from right now. This man's father is maybe the most interesting man to ever exist. Ty was doing some research on his Wikipedia, looked into him a little bit. We shared a conversation this morning. Arthur Smith, who is now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, formerly of the Tennessee Titans, um, his dad graduated from Yale, mm-hmm. Vietnam vet. Yep. Uh, decorated Vietnam vet. Vietnam vet. Mm-hmm. Decorated Vietnam vet. He uh, somehow got $4 million in inherit- inheritance money, starts FedEx. Mm-hmm. At some point after being a decorated Vietnam vet and taking his inheritance to start a Federal Express uh, shipping or whatever, they're buying planes company, it ends up at a point somehow back in the 70s, right? This is yeah. in the 70s? Yep. Mm-hmm. Late Go- 70s, I think. Ends up at a point, the story goes, he's down to his final $5,000, okay? So 3.995 uh, gone, trying to make the business work. Mm-hmm. He gets down to his final $5,000, goes to Vegas, gambles it, makes $28,000, refunds. <laughs> what he has going on for the gas in, in right. his vehicles. Now FedEx is a multi-bazillion dollar company. That's Arthur Smith's father. Now, if your dad is this human, I'd assume some of those traits carry over. Mm-hmm. I would assume the thought of, uh, um, hey, why don't you go work at FedEx and just make so much money, money and probably a much different lifestyle. I assume Arthur Smith's been asked about that. He just loves football, just like completely addicted to the mm-hmm. game of football, loves the game of football. I'd assume that he's very uh, open about like, if this didn't work, I would. But I assume he still had to sleep on couches at offices. I assume he still had to run the, the printer. He had to hold the cards in practice. The fact that he chose to do that, knowing that what else is available for him, for me, I have a lot of respect for that. I don't have a lot of respect for rich kids, okay? I, I, I really don't, never have. Um, but if once you meet them and you hear their story and they work their ass off for what they are, it's like, okay, I appreciate it. Which, by the way, large majority of rich kids. Whenever I say I didn't like rich kids, I mean, that was when I was growing up. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that kid was born on third base, doesn't even fucking know it. Fuck that guy, fuck that guy, fuck that guy. But then you meet a, a large majority of them. It's like, oh, these all, they all want to create their own legacies. And it's almost a burden sometimes mentally for them as opposed to anything else. You understand that. But the fact that this guy chose a path that is dreaded by people that are in the football world. Mm-hmm. So you hear a lot of football players that have dedicated their life to football. Be like, I never want to be a fucking football coach. Mm-hmm. The time, the energy, everything like that. Shout out to this guy. Cannot wait to talk to him about the Atlanta Falcons. And he worked his way up through the Titans organization. Yeah. 2011 was a quality control coach. 2012 quality control. Then he became an offensive line assistant, tight ends coach, tight ends coach, and then finally offensive coordinator and now head coach. So like he worked his way up the entire ladder. In the quality control is coffee, <clears throat> printing stuff, mm-hmm. watching and dissecting tape into different areas. I mean, that is the nightmare. He had to do that for two years. Nightmare there. I'd assume he had to coach elsewhere as well before he got to the NFL. What he got? To- I also noticed that he was with the Titans through like four different uh, head coaching regimes, and I just thought that was like very interesting. You don't really see a guy typically – like he obviously was, must have been a very hard worker, and they or- saw something if he just – or, or, or I, I, this, I mean, this guy's dad. Owns <laughs> Are we, I suppose. I yeah. mean, by the way, that's not Arthur's fault. Okay, his right. dad being a badass individual is right. not his fault. But let's assume at some points of his life that definitely helped, right? Yeah, let's, definitely. Let's assume, and I would assume through four coaches. Like the third coach, are you firing fucking FedEx guys, kid? <laughs> I mean, he's sleeping on a couch. This guy, he, his dad has a uh, just an absolute mega yacht. What do you have, Jay? FedEx is Nash, uh, 
headquartered in Nashville, I'm pretty sure. So or Memphis, yeah. So I mean, Jay worked um, at FedEx, by the way. Got his Memphis, yeah. Jay got hit by a car while working for FedEx. <laughs> yeah. We'll also yeah. ask Arthur Smith about that. Mm-hmm. Jay almost died out there. Almost gave his life carrying a package crossing a jaywalk or crossing a sidewalk. Crossing. Did FedEx he was help not him jaywalking. Out? Did FedEx help you out, Jay? Not really. Oh, oh, no. oh no. That's a bad, that's a bad vibe. Did you report it, Jay? Uh, I didn't. Tr- I tried not to because I was fine. But uh, when I got back, the lady called like somebody that she knew in FedEx, and it was a whole big thing. But it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah, Jay was getting sued for getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> my my cheek dented her hood. I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's the world we're in, by the way. This dude gets hit by a car. He gets sued for denting the hood of the car. <laughs> Anyways, we will not talk to that about that to Arthur Smith, the new head coach of the Falcons. But maybe something we bring up. If the dad is watching, mm-hmm. hey, he almost got my brother killed. Uh, he was trying to deliver a package for you guys, <laughs> and then he got sued. Can we a check or something? Can we just you know, maybe severance package? You see the guy's back now too. Yeah, seriously, did all you, mangled. Did you see his back? That's unbelievable. I uh, can't wait to chat with him. And then in the third hour, uh, not a head coach, but a man who is beloved by everybody in this office. I'd assume the world. Uh, Bear from College Game Day. Yes. <laughs> Chris Falica is his actual name. Everybody knows him as Bear from Game Day. He uh, and I both gambled heavily on the West Virginia Mountaineers plus four yesterday at home against Baylor. A Baylor team that had been struggling for a while, but also a Baylor team that could have won the Big 12 championship for the first time in 71 mm. years. Uh, traveled into Morgantown to take on Bob Huggins, who was looking for his 900th win with an incredibly hot West Virginia Mountaineer team. Uh, West Virginia should have won that goddamn game. Okay, there's a couple situations that we just can't have. But I also saw some promise out of that West Virginia team. This West Virginia team might win the national championship. They made some big free throws down the stretch, not all. They seem to make some big plays in big moments, which is what you need. You have to have that it factor. But then they also blow it in some big moments. That West Virginia team is maybe the most talented team that I've ever seen Coach Bob Huggins have just from a skill level since the Elite Eight boys, I think, the the team of mm-hmm. the Elite Eight team. They, they could potentially go on it. But that Baylor team, got to give them a lot of credit. That thing went to overtime. Mm-hmm. Baylor covers somehow. Okay. They win by five somehow in overtime. And uh, we'll talk to Bear about that a lot because he and I were texting throughout that game. A lot of, oh, no's. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, I can't believe that Baylor gets a win. But college basketball heating up. It was great fucking in. Michigan got blown out afterwards by (laughs) Illinois. And I don't need to hear any more Michigan people tweeting me whenever I tweet that West Virginia is going to win a national championship. And that game goes into overtime, so you got to go to ESPN News to watch a Michigan game. Get this trash off the TV. Michigan, neither of these teams can beat Michigan. And then Michigan loses by 20 the Mm -hmm. next game just moments later or whatever. Which, by the way, is going to happen in college basketball, but it's heating up. March Madness oh, yeah. could be very awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's right here in Indianapolis and Bloomington and Lafayette, which is a three and a half hour span from point to point mm-hmm. of where people are actually playing. But it's going to get good, I think. The Horizon League started their tournament yesterday, and they had four games yesterday, and they th- two of them went to overtime. There was a 24 point comeback, and there was a three overtime game. Like March Madness, if that was any indication of what this March is going to be like, it's going to be insane. Very excited for it. And I think they'll have 25% fan capacity. Mm-hmm. So hopefully there'll be a little bit of an environment. Uh, shout out to the the Penguins just rotten the Philadelphia Flyers last night with fans in the stands. Hockey's still happening. To be honest, not that. I mean, there's really don't, nothing. Don't even, don't you dare. Right now, there's really nothing. 
you know, Sidney Crosby uh, potentially got COVID, had no idea got, uh, Goats got COVID. So <laughs> that happened. They still win. Flyers stink. It's still the way it goes. They were rolling. Kasperi capping and two goals. He had the cheeks clapping, and Carter Hawk couldn't stop anything. Yeah, but it looked I'm, unbelievable. What I'm saying, though, in hockey, there's no storylines right now. There's nothing big coming up. It is not a time where you, if you're not an NHL fan, to be investing in the NHL. No. Let's save it for a couple months. <laughs> Things will get kind of hot. Right now, college basketball is kind of going into the forefront. I am a hockey fan. And NHL fan, but speaking to the large majority of people that aren't, now is not the time no. to dabble in there. College basketball, though, now is the mm-hmm. time to kind of peek your head in because there's upsets happening, great mm-hmm. games are happening, there's bubble spots on the line, there's a March Madness spot that a lot of people need to get in. It is now a time to peek your head into college basketball. We don't do a lot of that uh, unless it matters because people are here for one thing and one thing alone. Mm-hmm. They want to know about the biggest league in the United States of America. They want to know about the best sport in the world. They want to know about the NFL. And we got some good news for you. All hell is about to fucking break loose. Okay, the NFL has kind of been in a spot of purgatory when it comes to news. A lot of potential news coming, but no actual news coming. We are just kind of floating in the middle on a day-to-day show trying to figure out what the fuck to talk about. Then all of a sudden, J.J. Watt sources himself. He goes to Arizona. Then yesterday, Kyle Van Noy gets cut from the Dolphins out of nowhere. One year into a $30 million guaranteed deal. Then Then the afternoon comes. Kyle Rudolph out of Minnesota. And it's like, okay, this one much more understandable than the Kyle Van Noy situation because it was public that they were asking Kyle Rudolph for a money cut or something like that and the offense changed and he was still there. So everybody kind of thought this was possible. Now, I love Kyle Rudolph. He has said that he'd be intrigued in going to New England. I'd assume he's going to keep all options open. He has a lot of great football left. He has made some incredible highlights for Minnesota. But that's two very notable humans Mm -hmm. getting cut yesterday and this is all because the salary cap nobody knows what it's going to be they all assume it's not going to go up as much as once expected whenever all these contracts were signed so now they're saying big names next week diana rossini said it's going to be a massacre (laughs) diana rossini said that she was texting with an nfl coach or an nfl gm and they said next week is going to be a massacre all around the league a mass your favorite player He didn't have his best year last year? Fucking gone. (laughs) Gone. Guy you own a jersey of? He didn't put up his best stats he's ever had? Get him the fuck out of town. There's going to be deals made. There's going to be uh, the Arizona Cardinals uh, owner said there's going to be a seismic shift in the NFL coming up next week because there's going to be massive names that are going to get cut in this NBA idea that has trickled into the NFL with super teams happening. And the Arizona Cardinals, they added J.J. Watt the other day for $31 million over the next two years. Excited to see how that works out for them. Stephon Gilmore might be on the trading block or is allegedly a foregone conclusion he's going to get traded out of New England if the Arizona Cardinals pick him up are we talking about that defense really becoming something over there and are we talking differently about everything that's going to happen but next week big names are going to be on the move and that means we get a lot of conversation about imagine insert big name here Mm -hmm. at 
team that's probably going to make a Super Bowl run next year. Here, I cannot wait for it. I'm excited for it. Maybe Green Bay will get in on the action, Todd. See, I was excited for it, and then I started thinking about it more and seeing how far they are over the cap. I'm worried that uh, they might be one of these teams that absolutely blindsides me next week. I mean, I was thinking they might be buyers, but I just don't know if that's the case. I, I just got a bad feeling. This could be two off seasons in a row where the Green Bay Packers make the NFC Championship game, lose, and decide not to go and make the big move to get them over the hump. Mm-hmm. But they might be cutting people yeah uh they might be getting rid of people now it was talked about with the green bay packers uh their running back aaron jones who his final game in a green bay packer uniform this past season was not his best he had a couple mm-hmm. fumbles or whatever but all season aaron jones's growth was the reason why that packers offense continued to grow got to have a great run game now they got the sauce back there aj Dillon, who's going to run over boston connor here in a matter of months or whatever but aaron jones was a guy became a guy he was going to be a free agent gunther kuntz who is our favorite general manager in the nfl mm-hmm. gunther kuntz says it's not an organizational philosophy to eschew the franchise tag okay we had to google it as well <laughs> all right we we had to google it as well Basically, that sentence says, it is our organization's philosophy that we don't use the franchise tag, right. is what he said. Although he says there are usually better ways to avoid it. He says he'll use the franchise tag on Aaron Jones if that is what's best for the Packers. It's very much case by case. Well, that's what the fuck we just asked you, Gunter. <laughs> okay, you would be the one deciding what's best for the Packers. Are you going to franchise tag Aaron Jones? Well, it, it is our philosophy to skew the franchise tag. It's like, okay, so to not use it. So he really said nothing in this entire thing. Aaron Jones probably going to be a free agent. Some other guys potentially going to get cut maybe open some salary cap, maybe become some players, though, in this entire thing. I just, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if they were going to be players, they were going to be very aggressive. But like you said, I mean, I, I really have no idea what to expect of who's going to be available next week if it really is a bloodbath. So I'll keep my fingers crossed. They could maybe, you know, get that one or two pieces they really need just fall into their lap next week. Do we have that graphic that was made by Mitt? I mean, it was an interesting graphic that was made for sure, but at least had some of the names up there. There are some names being talked in. Uh, the first time I ever worked at NFL Network, all right, out in California. I um, okay, hold on, Z, we'll get there in a second. The um, first time I ever worked at NFL Network, I sat in a pre-production show meeting or whatever. It was this big ass table in an office, and the conversation was, "Who's going to be a surprise big name cut this season or something like that?" Right? And this is my first time ever in a meeting, and they all just go immediately to the salary cap, and they just all read off. The highest paid big name player, which is normally hand in hand there, who didn't have a good year last year. And you're like, oh, these people are all going to get cut probably. So that is a normal in the NFL. If you're a high paid player that doesn't have much guaranteed left in that thing and you did not play your absolute best football the year before, you're probably going to get moved or cut if your team is in a in an interesting state. This year with the salary cap not really mm-hmm. going anymore, it, that's going to get amplified even more so. Mm-hmm. It is insane to think about. So that's why whenever you see a player take a contract that has the most amount of money available for him instead of going somewhere else that's maybe a good story, this is why. Because yeah. the NFL views it exactly as a, a cut that motherfucker. I don't care about that. I don't care about that. His best days are behind him. Oh, we still got to be able to put a team together. Our fans will understand. Let's get rid of him. Let's move forward. Where when the player does it, it's like, oh, selfish asshole, selfish prick. It's like, well, I still got to be able to put my team together. I mean... My house, how do we do this whole thing? So I think with these names on this list, though, this is just like the beginning of this thing. Jimmy G, nobody has a clue what's going to happen with him. Lynch says he really believes 
Yeah. That he's going to be. I really believe that he's going to be the starter. It's like, okay, you can tell us. Teddy Bridgewater, he's uh, allegedly been on a move. That would save them $2.9 million in the cap. That doesn't sound like that much, but when the cap doesn't move, that's potentially two more players on your team. Uh, then Riley Reif, mm-hmm. you know who that is, offensive tackle cool. for the Vikings. That's potentially a $12 million. Carlos Dunlap just moved from Cincy to Seattle, made some plays. For Seattle, if they get rid of him, $14 million savings. Emmanuel Sanders, $4 million savings. Vaughn Miller, $18 million. Now, they're allegedly going to work a deal, is what Ian Rappaport said. Julian Edmond, 3.4. Steven Nelson, 8.3. Trey Turner, 11.5. Preston Smith, $8 million. Zach Ertz, $5 million. Geno Atkins, $9.5 million. That's just, that's just the top. Now, if they're going to double or triple that, there's just every... Mm-hmm. Some fans of some teams are going to know nobody on their team. <laughs> you know, it's a brand they, new league. It's going to be. It is going to be very interesting. We have to get to a break. Um, as we get to the break, I want to everybody please send positive thoughts to this incredibly angelic voice coming through your speaker right now, Jacob Trago, uh, one half a year of the Buffalo, a band that we, you know respect and appreciate their musical abilities in them as human i was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer this morning Mm -hmm. he will beat this obviously but he would definitely be a person that we should send our positive thoughts and vibes trago we love you brother this ain't nothing all right beat the shit out of this can't wait to hear your incredible voice and your musical and artistic abilities on the other side of this thing we appreciate you mutual joining us now is a man who took the world by storm with one press conference. Man who was introduced as the head coach of the Detroit Lions, sent the world into a tizzy. What is this man talking about? Gnawing kneecaps, getting back up, doing it again. A man that has since that day put together an incredible coaching staff, made some moves, revitalized an energy in a city for a team that was potentially dying off. Joining us right now, head coach of the Lions, MCDC, Dan Camp. What's going on, guys? Pleasure to be here. Coach. You're electrifying. You know it. I know it. The world now knows it. Thank you so much for joining us. Shane Leckler, good friend of mine, sent me a text immediately following your opening (laughs) press conference and said, uh, hey, Dan was my roommate in college. He is electric. He's a big fan, as is the world. Um, Before we get started... We normally have a guy that is our producer, and I think we're the only show that is listened to in uh, all all 50 states that has a Detroit Lions diehard Mm -hmm. fan as a member of our show. He's on vacation this week. When he heard you were coming on the show, he was so heartbroken. He made a video. I'd like to lead off with his question, Dan, if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. Just Foxy? Yeah, Foxy. (laughs) Oh, my God. He is going to. He just just lost it right there. Please run that (laughs) off. Don't sleep on the Lions in this convo. (laughs) Pat, it's been a weird year. Why not the Lions this year? One day will be our year. Someday. That's why we're still here. (laughs) They're still going to go 10 and 6 and win a playoff game. This draft, this is the turning point. 10 and 6 and win a playoff game. This is the year I get to see a playoff win, Pat. Uh, We're going to go 10 and 6 and win a playoff game. (laughs) Now, until the first game, I have hope. 10 and 6 playoff win. Book it. Oh, he dropped it. <laughs> oh, 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 
Coach, it's an absolute honor to be speaking with you. I think a lot of Lions fans want to know just how this one's going to be different. All right, it seems like every three, four years, the Lions get a new head coach. It seems like the rebuilding process has been happening my entire life. 26 years old and I've never seen a playoff win for the Detroit Lions. So I want to know how you and your coaching staff plans to make this one different so that someday I get to see my Lions go 10 and 6 and win a playoff. <laughs> uh, coach, obviously I assume you hear that a lot and I feel like in your press conference you were speaking to those people. But what is, how do you turn that place into a winning, you know, organization, coach? Yeah, look, first of all, I think I love Foxy, man. I tell you what, I love the optimism that he brings. Um, look, I, I would say this to me, the short answer is is Sheila Fordham. If you want hope, she's the one who's bringing the hope because this all started with her. You know, she took over ownership in, in the summer and she she knew exactly what she wanted. She wanted uh, she wanted a collaborative effort starting at the top and, and ultimately, man, in the, in the uh, simplest terms, you would say she wanted us to work as a team up top, like a legitimate team up top between her and, and Rod Wood, the president, myself, Brad Holmes, and man, let, let's, let's do this thing together where everybody knows we're all in the same boat. We're all rowing the same way. Um, and knowing that those players downstairs, they'll, they'll, they will feed off of that and they'll understand that and they'll fall, fall right in line. Like one of the things that, that always bothered me as an ex-player uh, was at times where you're being preached to about being a team and, and it's all about being unselfish and working as one and no egos and yet it's not happening at the top. And man, that's the biggest killer of any team is when it's not working at the top and you got ownership telling you what you got to do and you can't do this and you got a president telling you, you can't do this, you can't spend this money, you can't. And, and, and that, and then having a GM and a head coach who are not on the same page. Well, that, th this thing has started exactly where it should start to have success. And that started with Sheila. She wants us to be teamwork. She wants us all working together. She set the tone. She made the hires and here we are, man. So and, uh, that's, that's so, the starting point. You're 100% right, by the way. You can always, uh, you're probably getting a call from the GM right now. You guys are probably making a play. Hey, probably making a play. Get off of McAfee. Stop. <laughs> I was sent a message, by the way, uh, last night about things I'm, I, I literally, you're not allowed to talk about. And I was basically in the message was like, uh, please do not put him in a position to kind of break an NFL rule in this entire thing. But whenever you think about a GM and a head coach being on, on different pages, you can kind of tell by the way an organization operates from the outside. You might not be able to hear it from behind the scenes. You might not know what's going on behind the scenes. But watching an organization, you can tell whether or not everybody's on the same page. You were asked about that literally just two days ago and you dropped another gem. It was another uh, true alpha knows when to concede for the betterment of the group your mindset in coaching have you always been this way that true alpha have you grown through that like through miami and new orleans and how have you become this human with this mindset that you have right now well no look i i think that um i think being a good leader involves being a good listener you got to be able to listen to other other people's opinions and you got to take it for what it is. And you know what? You may not agree with it and it may not be the right answer, but you take it in anyway and you listen to it. And at the end of the day, you make your decision off of that. And you don't always agree with them. And, and you, you'll do things that are going to upset people because you're making a decision they don't agree with. But it's my job. And I always felt like if I was able to get in this seat, man, that was one of the most important things is, man, have trust 
in me, have faith in me that if you hire me, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to everybody, man. I'm listening to Brad when you're talking about personnel. I'm listening to Ray Agnew. I'm listening to John Dorsey, man. These guys, that's what they do. That's that's Those are the things that they really excel at. That's their superpowers, man. And so for me, why would I not listen to them? Even if it's my coaches maybe feel a, a little bit the other way, well, you know what? I, I need to flesh that out. I need to know why. You know, what are the reasons why? Am I not seeing this correctly? And, look, the alpha comment was really – I wasn't directing that just at myself. I was saying that that's Brad too. Brad's an alpha. That's our coaching staff. I mean, let me say this about our coaching staff. One of the reasons I made the hires that I did with these guys, I know you'll probably end up asking this was because just coming out of this COVID, I wanted to make sure we had more flexibility with the roster. And if these coaches need to play maybe a couple of games, (laughs) so, so, you know, not everybody's thinking that way. You are the best, okay? I'll tell you what, Antoine Randall, well, he can get out there and sling the ball a little bit. I mean, he could do whatever you need him to do. Did In your opening press conference, um, by the way, hey, 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 listen, best of all time. I, I, there is none. there is no close second. Okay, there is no close second. It was the best press conference of all time. Now, you pissed off a lot of people that I assume have not liked you for your entire life. So you just kind of expected that. Happens to me as well. But in your opening press conference, you said a lot of things that I was like kind of listening to and trying to latch on to learn as much as I could about you. You said, you know, at the Dolphins, you had a chance to learn those mistakes you make as a rookie head coach or whatever. What were some of those? And do they involve running Oklahoma drills on Wednesdays and Thursdays with professional athletes? <laughs> say this that was definitely not one of them. <laughs> uh, but in clarification it was never the oklahoma drill it was one-on-ones with all the teammates watching that's all it was oh it was one-on-ones hey that got mismarketed then because absolutely all us absolutely. ex-players were like ah fuck that guy no, absolutely it was not oklahoma it was simply one-on-one pass rush versus a, a, an offensive tackle pass protecting it was a receiver one-on-one running around the red zone versus oh, a quarterback. that happens every the day team surround them yeah that was all listen we didn't never did Oklahoma drill. <laughs> okay, good news. Uh, what did now, you learn? If we though? could, we would. But <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn? What were some of the mistakes you think? And what did people not expect whenever they become a head coach? You hear like Chuck Pagano, for instance. He was one of the best player coaches uh, probably that he had ever seen. Baltimore, he was at the U, yeah. he'd been around. And then he said, you become a head coach. And it's just like, you, you barely, it's like not even a part of it anymore. What were some of those rookie mistakes you got a chance to get out of the way in Miami that now you know and can adjust for go? into Detroit yeah well look I think the first thing is just uh managing your time that was hard for me um because when you it's just what what Chuck said I got a lot of respect for Chuck by the way um he he's a hell of a coach but but just the fact that man you you sit down and you're like here we go man I'm gonna dive into this opponent offensively defensively special teams you know dig my teeth into this and all of a sudden you're like hey man you, you got your media session right now. Oh, all right all right you know, you go run down there. And then the next thing you know, hey, listen, we need to work on this chart for the plane. We need to make sure we got the guys sitting where you want them. You know, who's in first class, who's riding. By? Okay, all right, I got it, I got it. All right, hey, listen, can you make this call? Uh, you know, just we, we, there's a couple of these sponsors that would be good if we reached out. All right, got And so by the end of the day, you're sitting down. It's 10 o'clock at night, and you're just about to start on the opponent, you know. And uh, that was one. It's just, man, being able to make sure that you make the most of your time. Two was, this got hard for me, is – 
man, not to micromanage. You feel like you're, you're trying to do everything or you want to do everything and you just can't do it. And that's why now it was different because I had gotten hired as the interim. And so you're taking this over. Uh, whereas like this time around, I'm able to hire my coaches. And so that's why I made the hires I did because these people, I can trust these guys. You know, these are my hires and I know exactly who I'm hiring. I know what they're capable of. I know that, you know, like I, I, I have all the confidence in the world that Anthony Lynn's going to, he's going to put a good game plan together. He's going to have the offensive role and AG is going to have the defensive role and Dave Phipps special teams. And then I'll be able to just kind of, go in and implement what I want and kind of any any little tweaks I want to do to it. But I don't have to be involved in trying to, hey, how do we – how do I really build this game plan and those things. Uh, but I'll tell you that this is the one that haunts me this day that I'll never forget is we were playing at Buffalo, and, uh, and, and it was right before halftime. We're getting beat, and it's one of those where, man, if we can score – particularly a touchdown, you're going to feel much better going in at halftime, give you a little momentum. And uh, it was one of those, man, we dump it down to Lamar Miller, and he's running, you know, you'd love for him to go down and, and you know, but but he didn't. He's trying to make a play, and he goes, and he runs, he runs, he gets tackled, and the clock's still running. We have a timeout in our pocket. We actually have two timeouts in our pocket. And we were playing Rex Ryan, Buffalo, and so I knew, boy, he loves zero blitzing down in the red zone. And I just didn't even want to give him that chance. The problem was I had never told my freaking coaching staff that, hey, we may just go hurry up to the line back in the red zone <laughs> yeah, and see if we can catch him off guard. Yeah. And so I, they're all waiting for a timeout, and I'm yelling, hurry up. And so we're trying to get to a play. Tannehill's trying to get to the best option. Where's the mic? What are we doing? You know, and it was a freaking cluster, man. And long story short, we end up going for it on fourth and one, got stuffed. We go in with no points at halftime. We get our ass kicked. And I, I put that on me. That was my fault, man, 100%. You learn a lesson, man. So, so whenever you're talking about those situations, like situational football, right? We've all, everybody that's ever been in the NFL knows that the media always goes, hey, Patriot way. Okay, the Patriot way. Good situational football, knowing what to do in right times, working hard and everything like that. Situational football, I do believe, is a massive part of the head coaching like requirements. Now we got, I think, and I'm going to say something. I, I assume you're going to agree with me. I'm not sure, though. I think a lot of people... They have the stats as an excuse, right? I think a lot of head coaches, almost, and you don't have to say this, I'll say this, but the stats or the data told us that we should go for it. So if it doesn't work, it's not the person, it's the data really. But with the data, you can make much more informed decisions. How will you manage that? Because it feels like the NFL is becoming a fully analytics world. I'm not sure you're that type of guy just by looking outside in, but you seem like a guy who's definitely going to take that information in. How will you make those decisions? And do you see yourself being more of an aggressive person? Person or kind of a uh, a neutral guy? No, I, I don't strike you as a numbers guy. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just whenever I heard you, I was just like, you know what? I'm not 100% sure this guy is just going to be listening strictly to the analytics guy. I just kind of a feel no, I had. I got through addition and subtraction. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it, it's funny that you bring that up. First of all, if you if you want to know how I'm going to handle one of those, when if I go for it on fourth and we get stuffed and they say, man, you know, do you re- regret that decision? I'm going to be like, well, F, F- yeah. I, I mean, we didn't get it. What do you want me to say? Had I not, maybe we So, yeah, it's easy hindsight to go back and say, my God, man, I wish I, wish I wouldn't have gone for that because we got stuffed. Um but I think analytics has got to be a tool. And I, and I do think it's an important tool to use. But you know as well as I do, and the comment you just made, that's fine. 
That's all fine that the numbers say when to go for it, when to not go for it, when to go for two. But tell me at what part of the game we're in. How's our defense playing? Who's the quarterback who's yeah. on the, the other sideline? Uh, and and then, then let's decide what we want to do. So, you know, if, if everything is lined up properly and everything looks good and it's and it's even teams and, and you feel good about where you're at, then, yeah, you go by the numbers. You know, I think there's validity in that. But, man – to just say you're blindly going to lean on analytics, it makes no sense. Not in this sport. It just doesn't, man. There's there's a physical, there's a mental element to this game that's different than any other. And uh, so, it to me, it's just a tool. It's a tool to have in your toolbox if you need it. Let's talk about the mental part of the game. Um, the leader of a team is the quarterback, okay? And uh, I got the email, all right? So, <laughs> um, I got the message. QB1, though, for a team that you're coaching. All right. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for out of QB one quarterback? That's going to be a part of your team. Like, are, are you, because we all know we're in the game. The quarterback is immediately the leader of the team, whether he likes it or not. Like that is just how it is. The payment structures that way. He touches the ball every single game. We go as you or every single play we go as you go. What is your mindset with the quarterback QB one? And what do you expect out of that person to lead your team? And uh, this is going to be, uh, uh, a reload is what we called it whenever Chuck became as opposed to a rebuild it was a reload so you guys are yeah. going to probably take some lumps here I would assume at some point through this thing but what are you looking for out of QB1 going forward yeah I, I would say you're looking for a guy who's a winner you're looking for a guy who's competitive I think that uh, you're looking for a guy who knows how to calm the storm you know when things aren't going uh, great or not going your way and uh it's just you and the other 10 in the huddle. He's somebody that, man, can keep everybody just on an even keel, keep them lined up, keep them focused, keep them, um, you know, build them up with confidence, man. And to to let them know when they look at him in the eyes, they know this guy's ready to go. And he's going to do his job as long as I do my job. Um, I think those are the big things, man. I'm not worried about a guy that, you know, hey, we need this guy to go out there and throw it 50 times and win the game for us. Uh, to me, that's not fair to a quarterback, and there's very few that can do it in this league. Um and so, uh, I mean, I, I think the, the guy needs to be tough. And he doesn't have to be a raw, raw, tough run around, you know. It, but there needs to be a quiet toughness about this guy, um, you know. Hey, are you, your, team is gonna resemb- your team resembles the coach. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's just how it goes. I am so excited to see this. You know what I mean? You are a spark plug of energy into the coaching ranks that I, I don't think we've ever seen. Anything like you before? I mean, we have, I guess. There's been coaches that have been like this. But just like, it feels like with the coaching staff you're building, in the moves you're making, at the franchise you're at, this feels like this could be something that's absolutely legendary. Coach, what do you have, Ty? Coach, you obviously had a uh, long and successful career playing. Do you find that it's uh, it's easier because you're still around the game every day? Or are there days where you're still just like, oh, shit, I'd love to put the pads on and get out there today with the boys, crack some skulls? Well, you always have that urge, <laughs> but but reality sets in. And I'll be honest with you, I would say probably about five years after I retired is when I was done. Oh, the first five years after retirement, man, it was real difficult, very difficult, because you're just like, you know, particularly when you get some of these young players you're coaching, you're like, man, I know I could step in right now. Like, get out of the way. Let me, I'm going to show you exactly what you got to do. <laughs> and uh, so it was but since then, reality sets in, and uh, you realize, all right, man, your your time has definitely passed, you know. Um, but there's always just in the back of your head. But here's what you never lose is that competitive spirit, right? That man, what it drives you, um, 
and makes you who you are, you know, and, and pretty soon what you start doing is living through your players, right? You, you, uh, man, you, you get excited for them. You want to give them all the tools to put in their toolbox and to have success. And, and so that, that competitive spirit never leaves the body leaves, but not the competitive spirit. I think a plane just landed on our <laughs> building there, coach. I apologize for looking up. Hey, I, it, we might be dead here in a few moments. It's been great having a good last conversation. <laughs> yeah. if this uh, plane comes down on you. Who told you 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 should coach? Did you always know you're going to get into coach with somebody? Because your coaching path is an interesting one. I mean, this is a very interesting one. Uh, who told you to get into it? Did you always feel like you're going to? And when did you know, like, okay, this is going to be good for me? Because now you're only one of 32 in the world at what you do. So congrats to that. Yeah. I, well, let me say this first of all. I swore up and down. Uh, Pat, you can probably attest to this, but man, coming into the, you're coming into the the uh, locker room. I know when I was with the Giants, been drafted. I'm coming in, and at six thirty in the morning, and coaches got bedhead coming out of their office, <laughs> yeah. sleeping there, and I'm like, I'd never be a coach. I would never freak you. <laughs> it's ridiculous, you know. But I'll never forget. I'll tell you when I kind of caught the bug. When I really caught the bug was, uh, I want to say it was two thousand and. Uh, it was a it was a small um, football camp, youth football camp. And it was I can't even tell you where it was. I just know it was in Pennsylvania. And uh, and so, a buddy of mine invited me. You know, there was a number of us from the Giants that went out there. And so they said, "Hey, just you know, fit in where, wherever you want here, wherever you think you can help. Just kind of you know, work with the kids." And these were all teenagers. Um, but man, they're doing a one on one. They're doing a one-on-one session. They have kind of tight ends, and then they have kind of these outside linebackers. And this tight end, he was, uh, man, he was your classic no talent. <laughs> no talent. I mean, he had no business being out there, you know, He, but he's he going to give everything he's got. And the kid across from him is about a foot taller. He's got about, you know, a foot of length on him with his arms. Uh, he runs like the wind. He's – He's strong, he's aggressive, he's explosive. And so their coach over there just just told him, hey, these one-on-ones, just get over there and hit the guy. Don't even let him off the line. But that basically, you're doing one-on-one route running. But So he just he never even had to cover because he just sticked this kid at the line. And uh, so I watch a couple of these, you know, and I'm like, man, this just isn't even fair. And, <laughs> and the kid, he doesn't even know what he's doing. He's raw. But so I just pulled the kid aside. I say, listen, next time this happens, all right, he's going to line up over you. And I said, he's going to stick you with his outside hand. He's going to stick you right in the chest and grab a hold of you. He said, he's already, you. he knows what he's going to do. He knows exactly what you're going to do. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to step as hard as you can with your outside foot. And I want you to throw your head and shoulders to the outside with that foot so violently that, that you almost knock your freaking head off your shoulders. All right, it's whiplash. I want you to do that so hard because what will happen is he's going to move that way. And he's going to miss when he tries to punch you. He's not going to be ready for it. And then I want you to dip back inside, rip right under him, get to your route. You get to the top of route, 10 yards, all right? And I want you to break down. I want you to snap your head to the inside, just like I told you on the outside, so hard that it almost gives you whiplash. I said, he'll, he's going to be trying to run to catch up. He's going to bite on that move, and he'll start running to the basic while you're breaking out. And I'll be damned, that kid did exactly, exactly to a T what I said. Now, we'd worked on a couple of things there, too. I just kind of showed him what I was talking about. But his next rep, he went up there and did exactly what I told him to do, and he crushed the kid. I mean, he crushed him. And the, the look on the kid's face, I'll never forget it, man, to this day. The, the look on the kid's face, he was just 
I mean, you can't replace it. It was one of the greatest feelings ever, and I felt so good for him. And he was like, you know, I can do this. You know, I, I can do it. I got something now I can work with. And that kid turned out to be Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who is a free agent currently Takes what he has. coach uh being from pittsburgh you just remind me of bill cower so i automatically love you i just wanted to let you know that um but you talked about what you learned being the interim coach in miami but what did you learn your five years being under sean payton who's one of the best coaches in the nfl what is the one thing that you learned from sean that you're going to take into the to the lines yeah i i would say um i would say the ability to um to put players in the best position to have success. Uh, I would say being able to use the, the, the roster, everybody that goes to the game, all 53 or 55 as of last year, if you're going to the game, we're going to use you for what you do well. Like I use this term superpowers, man. I love the Avengers, right? So, <laughs> um, but the superpowers, man, what do you do well? And I don't care if you're a receiver and all you, you're a blocking receiver. And maybe you're not going to be the greatest route runner ever, but yet you're tough, you're physical. We'll do play action pass off of that and just throw you a bone every once in a while. You'll be wide open. But in the meantime, I want you to kick the crap out of some of these safeties and corners, man. That's your job. That's what you do. And you do it well. You do it better than our number one or number two receiver. Well, guess what? We got a role for you. You can play 15 plays plus special teams. You know, I, I, we're going to put our halfback, man. We're going to put you in a position to have success. You're going to run choice routes on little linebackers, man. We're going to put you out in the slot and let you go to work if we think they're going to walk that linebacker out. Um, you know, tight ends, no different. But, but let's, let's put guys in the best position to have success. Sean did it better than anybody else. And anybody that played the, the Saints would tell you, man, it was a nightmare to play us because of so many personnel groups we'd roll in and out. Man, we used – it was nonstop rolling of personnel groups. But yet those guys we put out on the field, we asked them to do things they did very well. And, and very few times did we ask them to do things that they weren't as good at. And I, I thought that was one of the best things that Sean did. Um, just from his time. And look, he knows how to relate with players, man. He gets it 100%. And then let me go back to what you said, Pat. Yeah. Because you kind of you kind of asked this and I and I didn't answer. I'll tell you, here's the other thing I learned that is important, man. I, I would say until I got to Sean as a coach, I would tell you I was more conservative, more of a conservative type mm. thinker as it goes to this game. Much, much more traditional. You know, you run the ball, you, you know, you kind of, I don't want to say milk the clock, but yet ball control and, and uh, man, it's third down. You know, you, you're trying to get the first, uh, it's fourth and two, we're punting it, all those things. Um, and you're trying to be smart and you're allowing the, the opponent to, to beat themselves. And look, that's still a part of who I am, but I'll tell you this, man, you, it, your eyes get open to Sean now was on the other spectrum. He was very aggressive, but I, man, if there's anything I did learn too from him, just from, from that side of it is, Look, you, you you want to throw some defenses off? It, it, there's a time to be aggressive, man, and and use your special teams and and use offense and try to get these defenses on their heels. But so I would tell you, I became I, I'm a little bit more of an aggressive thinker, just overall being with Sean. Coach, I uh, can't thank you enough for your time. I got one more question for you here. Um, did you know that on this day in 1986? I'm sure you did actually. Uh, Metallica's Master of Puppets was released. I've heard you're a diehard Metallica guy. Is the MCDC name tag then? Because it's a long time. ACDC. Do you hate it? Do you love it? We gotta. I feel like we potentially offended you after finding out you're a diehard Metallica guy, and we call you MCDC. No, 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 no. Listen, I love classic rock as well. 
<laughs> no, I have zero problem with that. I, yes, I am a big Metallica fan, and uh, just for just so everybody knows, look, I love Metallica, I love classic rock, and I love classic country. Those are my genres, man. Um, but I've got zero problem with the MCBC. And let me say this before you go off that, all right? Because I had put a serious thought into this since I was hiring my staff. Is that I, w- I was thinking about hiring you to see if you would like to be, you know. Uh, our special teams coach. And, and then I thought, you know what, just, I know you doing this radio, it softened you up a little bit. <laughs> I chose not to. All right. I hate to say that. Pat, but, uh, I needed to just let that be known. Well, I want to let you know, true alphas know when to hang them up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Hey, thank you, coach. Good luck up there, man. Most guys have tried a lot of different ways to, you know, Try to last a little bit longer yeah. when making love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about your baseball team. That's a boring sport. That'll turn me off, right? Yeah, absolutely. Should. Maybe you start listing off cities and states. Maybe you start doing the alphabet backwards. Whatever you end up doing, you need to not do it anymore. Knock it off. None of it's going to work. Uh-uh. Okay? You're, before the time you get to the, the shortstop, it's already happened. Good. All right? That's right. What you need is a real tag team partner whenever you're going in there. And our friends at Roman created just that with Roman Swipes. Roman Swipes are a swipe that comes in a discreet unmarked package uh, that shows up at your door. Then it's in a tiny little packet that you put in your pocket, small enough to fit in your wallet. Then right before it's time to make some love, right before it is time to go ahead and try to procreate, Mm -hmm. maybe. Whenever it's time to go and put on a show, uh, you go ahead and and rub the swipe on. Uh, it'll, It'll dry. It'll not transfer to your partner at all and then you just have time of your life yeah get roman.com forward slash pat mcafee jesus that's get roman.com forward slash pat mcafee no Mm -hmm. spaces uh and you can get your first month of swipes for just five dollars when you choose a monthly plan all right shout out to roman shout out to you shout out to get roman.com forward slash pat mcafee speaking of a city that has Deep football history. Deep. College Football Hall of Fame is there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This team was in the Super Bowl years. Now, listen, that story is not a super positive ending, but that team still got to the Super Bowl. Now they have a brand new head coach who is joining us right now. Head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, formerly offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, ladies and gentlemen, Arthur Smith. Hey, let's go, coach. How are you? Great. How you doing? Hey, what's what's life like down there? You're a head coach. There's only 32 of you in the world. Congratulations, coach. That's a big <laughs> deal. That's not easy. Well, I appreciate it. Now, I, I, you know, it's funny because everybody always thought Andrew Luck was the Titan killer, but it was really you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the the acknowledgement there. And uh, we'll talk about your time there. You were quality control assistant, quality control assistant. You like worked your way up there. And we talked whenever we were, you know, leading off this show saying you were going to be here. Your dad is obviously an incredibly successful person. Okay. And that obviously leads to a thought of why wouldn't this dude just go do that and make an incredible amount of money? I believe the story goes is you just love football, sleeping on couches in the office, staying, drawing cards, drinking coffee, just fell in love with football. How did that happen? And uh, has it always been this way? Have you just been a football like addict basically your entire life? Yeah, I, I mean, I started playing when I was nine years old in uh, Memphis, and my brothers did. My dad was an old Marine, kind of wanted us to, to play football, so we didn't end up 
you know, it's kind of spoiled, soft kid. <laughs> I just fell in love with it. And, you know, it's what took me to college. It's what I've done my whole life. And, you know, I have other interests, but there was at some point I knew I wanted to play as long as I could and then obviously get into coaching. Um, what you did with the Tennessee Titans. Now, I appreciate that compliment there. A uh, couple onside kicks, a couple fakes, uh, you know. That. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But, and then I love, the, I love the bravado after the after. <laughs> well, coach, I had to let you know. You know, I don't get that type of opportunity often. You know, you guys just so happen to see a lot of the only opportunities I had to do things. I had to celebrate a little bit. But what you were able to do down there with Tannehill, right, and Derrick Henry, and that offense becoming something that may be most efficient in the NFL, depending upon stats. How did that offense get created in your mind? What was it about Tannehill that, like, maybe you were able to find something in him that maybe nobody else could see from back up in there? How did that offense that you had massive success with in Tennessee come to be, you think? And how does your offense, how is that going to translate to what you're taking to Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of, there were a lot of variables that came together in Tennessee. I mean, Ryan really fit what we were doing. But there was other pieces. I mean, you know, with our offensive line, with Taylor and, and Roger and Ben Jones and then Nate Davis. And then we had Jack Conklin and Dennis Kelly was a big part of it as well. And then the receivers. I mean, getting A.J. Brown was a, was a big part, Corey Davis. And then the tight ends. Well, you know, with, being a tight end guy, I would love using multiple tight end sets. We had a lot of tight ends that, that helped. And John M. Smith. Obviously, we had Delaney for a long time. And then and then you had Derek. And so we just – when we felt like we were a pretty big physical offense and we had a lot of guys that could – create yards after contact. And so Ryan was a perfect fit. I mean, he's athletic. There was a lot of plays that, you know, you call, you call those keepers. And if it's not there, he takes off and he'd get you eight to 10 yards running. So then now you get into Atlanta and, and as we're currently set up, you know, Matt's at a different point in his career. Matt's been very efficient as a passer. We got a lot of strength on the outside. So we're built a little bit different. Feel good about the line here. Uh, so, we'll, you know, we'll still try to play that style, but, you know, we may move the ball around a little bit different. Okay, so that was the interesting thing last season. There was, you know, new coach, new beginnings down there in Atlanta. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, potentially going to be traded. And then uh, Mr. Blank came out and said that they are on the trading block if if the new GM or new coach wants to, but that's not the – now you talk about having Matt Ryan, who has played MVP football before, and Julio Jones, by all accounts, every wide receiver basically says, like, uh, that's the guy that we learn from. Whenever you have those two, is that what you're basing your entire offense on? Will you adjust each year depending upon who you have, or is your system kind of your system and you got to do what you got to do? Well, the way we want to play up front, you know, year to year, the style that, you know, of our run game, and it just depends who you have back there. We're, you know, I've said it many times, we're not going to have Derrick Henry. You know, it's, it's, sometimes it's pretty easy to call a run and watch him stiff arm, you know, 55 people. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's not like, hey, that was a great play call. <laughs> Duo, you know, so I always joke about stuff like that. But do you have those, you know, if you have, if you're a ton of receivers and that's where the strength are, you know, you got to get the ball to those guys. But stylistically, how we want to play up front really won't change year to year. But I'm always looking to, to, to adapt and, you know, we, we want to tweak something or try something different. Great. I mean, that's why I always say you got to play the strengths of your roster and who you have. 
I don't want to, obviously, I know you're building your own legacy and becoming a head coach in the NFL is incredibly difficult. But now that you are a head coach in the NFL, you kind of have a different role on the team. Now, now obviously, you're still a coach and everything like that, but you become an administrator, you become a day-to-day decision maker, a, a airplane planner. You become, there's a lot of different things. With your dad having this incredible leader, is there anything that you potentially lean on? Is there like uh, is there still any give and take, even though the worlds are two completely different worlds in the shipping world and the football world? Is there anything that you can take from from him or his experiences and kind of apply it to what you got going on? Absolutely, we we talk all the time, you know, about you know the world and you know how things translate really to, from his business to to what we do here with the Falcons and even when I was with the Titans, you know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned about management and leadership. And, you know, he's in the logistics business and there's a lot of things like you're talking about, you make decisions about flights and air, and, you know, where people sit on the airplane and there's a million decisions you got to make. Uh, but yeah, I lean on them a lot. And I, you know, there's a lot of people I try to talk to that are in other industries and stuff I read, but absolutely. What was Vrabel? What was Vrabel like? Is he just? Is he exactly <laughs> as advertised? And is there, you know, the success he's had, the the overall, you know, it just feels like he brought a different mindset to the coaching range. Much like, hey, we just talked to Motor City Dan Campbell. I think he's going to be a pretty similar, hands-on type. But what was it like whenever you saw Vrabel get in there? And is there anything you learned from Vrabel that you'll be able to carry on with you? Because I've heard, and we we asked Dan Campbell the similar question, is when you go through your coaching ranks, you just kind of like, okay, I want to take this particular trait from this person, this particular trait, and then you have your own spin on it. With Vrabel being, it seems like a very unique coach in the NFL, what did he, what did he kind of bring to the table, and what will you take from Mike Vrabel down to Atlanta? Yeah, there's a lot I'll take from Vrabel. Uh, you know, Vrabel is authentic. You know, he you know he obviously played in New England and then coached Ohio State and coached in Houston. I mean, he's his own guy, and I say that like the highest compliment because a lot of times somebody will get hired from somewhere and they try to act like the, the person they were just with. I certainly won't do that. He's extremely. Get the gloves on, Arthur. <laughs> Get the gloves on out there. <laughs> he's he's by far. Uh, Rabel's the funniest guy I've ever worked with. Like he didn't mean to be. He, I mean, he's such a. He's so sarcastic. And, I mean, he, it's like a machine gun on the practice field. That's that's his <laughs> best talent. He can rip somebody, and then he realizes somebody else, and just goes right down the line. Sometimes you try not to laugh because it's it's so damn funny. The uh, Rabel was great. Uh, you, you know. He helped me out a lot, and I'm very thankful for working with him. Diggs. Uh, speaking of Vrabel, and we just had Dan Campbell on, and we had this conversation. We had a tail of the tape when Harbaugh and Vrabel got into it at midfield. Yeah. And that was a no contest. But yeah. but Vrabel versus Dan Campbell, that's a closer closer match. Who are you taking in that situation? Oh, I got to go with my guy, Vrabel. <laughs> I'm loyal. Did you see Dan Campbell? He said he's going to gnaw kneecaps, dude. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I'm, I mean, I know Dan. I but uh, I gotta go. I'm loyal. I'm gonna go with Rams. Um, when you had your opening press conference, what were was there like a we? The good news is, I guess, for your in your eyes, probably is it didn't make national news. Okay, your your opening press conference didn't make national news, which in your eyes probably good news. Uh, Dan Campbell did. Was there prep for that? Now that you're leading into like your first team meetings, I assume via Zoom. Like, what is the mindset, the prep behind it? Because everything you say here early is setting the precedent for what your head coaching is going to look like. You know, like, have, has that all been something you have to plan and think out and everything like that, or you just get to that down the road? No, you think it out. I mean, you know, obviously when you get on some of this stuff, you don't want to become 
the meme or, you know, that's what I'm trying to get it down fairly. But you certainly want to prep things out and, and you know, put your thoughts together. But then you also don't want to be the robot where you're looking like it's death by PowerPoint where you're just like reading off a teleprompter either, you know. So it's you collect your thoughts and and then go with it. So that's that's at least what I do. Hey, that Atlanta stadium down there is beautiful. Okay, that yeah. fan base is a passionate one. The Falcons have a very passionate fan base. They're looking to get back into the relevant conversation again. What's the first message whenever you have to deal with this COVID protocol to your team? And how do we get that the Atlanta Falcons back into the big conversation, the big picture here? Well, you know, obviously, as you know, you ultimately you got to win and you got to sustain success. <laughs> I mean, it's not like some magical speech. <laughs> the implementation of holding guys accountable when you guys come in here, guys being good teammates and trying to build this thing because it's it's going to change year to year. The roster always changes. I mean, that's that's life in the NFL. Thanks. You're always dealing with in, with injuries, and so you got to work the entire roster constantly. You got to coach the entire roster. Uh, but I, yeah, I can't wait till we actually get in here and start working as we build towards the season. Coach, was there a moment after you got hired where you're like you're extremely excited? You just got hired as an NFL head coach. And then you look at the division, you, go, you realize that you have to deal with the Bucs who just won the Super Bowl and the Saints who have been dominant for years. Well, I, you know, you look at it and you always look at things on paper. It's like when the schedule comes out and you're like, oh, it it's, it never works out the way, way it looks on paper. It, it, you know, in, in April, whenever they, they have that release show or whatever they do now, they, they hype it up. Because there's so many things that change. I mean, you know, one injury to a quarterback can change the whole dynamic of a team. I mean, Pat, you, I mean, you, oh, you yeah. obviously were part of that in 11. I oh, mean, yeah. You go from having Peyton Manning and then you line up and no offense to Curtis Painter or Dale Zlowski, but that's who you played there. It wasn't like you're playing Peyton. Seems like you took quite a shot there. Seems like you took quite a shot at Curtis Painter and Dan Orlowski. What about Kerry Collins? Did you guys get a chance to play us when we had Kerry? No. We, we played, uh, we, uh, you know, obviously you went from Manning. I wasn't there. And then my first year it was Curtis Painter, Painter and then it was Dan. You guys got us in Indy. Yeah, we almost lost luck. We almost lost luck because Dan Orlovsky was so good at football. I know. You guys won two in a row. I think you beat us and then played Thursday night. You guys got hot. You're on a heater. You beat us and then you played Thursday night beat the Texans. People were saying if we had like another five, six weeks, we potentially make playoffs with Dan Orlovsky running that team. Could have. No, so, so, I mean, that's what happens. I mean, you do a couple key injuries and it changes. But, yeah, this division's tough. I mean, Obviously, New Orleans, is, they've had a lot of sustained success since Sean Payton's been there. Tampa, like you guys just said, they came up the Super Bowl. We played them two years ago. They got a lot of good players on defense. And then Carolina, I mean, they're, they're, Matt Rule's done a good job wherever he's been. They're building that thing the right way. They're all tough. Every, every week's tough. You know that. It's impossible to win the NFL. That's why if you do, you should celebrate the hell out of it. Good luck this year, Coach. We appreciate you. Thank you for taking time with us. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, tell your dad, ooh, raw. And also, <laughs> thank you for what he's done with, uh, you know, Christmas and every yeah. single day, basically, throughout the the history of our country. Well, no, thanks. I, he'll appreciate that. I'll let him know. What's his name again? Fred Smith. He did pretty fucking good. <laughs> Fred Smith did pretty, pretty good. Not too shabby. So will you, Arthur. Appreciate you so much. Head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith. Thank you. Joining us is a Super Bowl champion and college football national champion, ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Hall. AJ, AJ, let's get right to it, pal. I wish Motor City Dan Campbell was a coach of mine in my football career. I assume you came out of that conversation with him thinking the same? Yes, I was able to watch the full interview. It was amazing. The only 
I guess, criticism I would have of any of the show from the beginning till now is the fact that if I'm Arthur Smith, I would be upset at booking and say, hey, man, how are you having me on after Dan Campbell? It's like trying to follow what, like Richard Pryor back in his prime. Okay, man, go make these people laugh. Yeah. Like they're just different humans. It's a tough yeah. thing. So as we end the Motor City Dan Campbell interview and send off for the heart out there, 56 or whatever, I look down and I see Arthur Smith is right on the other side. And immediately at the moment, while I'm talking about Arthur Smith, I'm going, Tough spot for Arthur, especially after what we just had right there, especially after a job offer potential, you know, that just Mm -hmm. came from Motor City Dan. Motor City Dan, though, and now Arthur Smith, by the way. He's good. Smart-ass, sarcastic. I bet you he is an awesome coach. I bet you he is hilarious. Like, what he was talking about with Vrabel, I assume the reason why he had so much respect for it is because he is a similar style. To be clear, but that is somebody you booked before the – before Dan (laughs) – yeah. If we had to go back, I think we do try to switch those mm-hmm. two schedules or schedules. But Motor City Dan Campbell, what if he turns around the Detroit Lions, huh? What if that? What if he turns around that franchise up there, AJ? I mean, if he can turn around the Detroit Lions, and especially and be the Dan Campbell that we see every single day, which I think that's the only way he could ever know to be. The guy's simply amazing. I, he's gonna he's gonna own the whole state. Fuck. He's gonna own everything. Like he could do whatever he wants for the rest of his life if he can turn the Lions around and take on this bravado, like take the attitude with him, and the whole team carries that. I completely forgot. He drinks, what, two gallons of coffee a day? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Completely missed that. I'm going to write that down if we have him on again. Hey, I like the uh, the Foxy hype video, too, to start <laughs> it. Well, I got it. I mean, the text message saying he, he can't talk about Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford. I'm immediately yeah. like, well, what the fuck are we even <laughs> – what are we even doing? And then, like, you know, I had – you know, I had to dig a little deeper. I'm like, is he allowed to talk about the quarterback position? Then? If he's, he is allowed to talk about the quarterback position, he's a coach, so that's how we get around it. But then as soon as, you know, ask Foxy yesterday, like, hey, Foxy, obviously you need a question, whatever. Foxy puts that together, by the way. Foxy puts that whole thing together. As soon as I see it, I'm like, all right, this is what we're going to start with, and then we'll be able to lead because turning that Lions team around is going to be a very difficult task. I mean, they have stunk forever Mm -hmm. they have stunk for a long long time him saying that the leadership change is interesting because when an organization gets on the same page it becomes a very powerful one i would assume that that might mean that in the past there was a chance now he wasn't there but you anytime there's failure you assume that there's a little bit of organizational chaos happening behind the scenes good for them hopefully it'll work yeah hopefully it will and that's something we don't get to see like even bill o'brien maybe he's getting a bad rap maybe it was a tough situation for him you know he's yeah, he didn't do everything right, but he was dealing with some stuff up top that I don't. I think we're we're starting to see a little bit right now come to light. I wonder if Bill O'Brien missed what prayer meeting or something in the morning. Oh yeah, morning prayer one time, and then all of a sudden Easterby started giving him the. Oh. <laughs> Wait, you dancing with the devil? <laughs> I'm a Jack Easterby guy. Shout out to him. Hey, Diana Rossini reported that. By the way, JJ Watt, Diana Rossini was the only one that was accurate. Right in her reporting, she was the only one that was accurate. She said a team About has offered. She said a team has offered fifteen to sixteen million or whatever. Right, so everybody thought that was complete bullshit. Turns out that she was the only one that had any right information, so she's been crushing it this offseason. She said she was just texting with an NFL head coach about the upcoming cuts and what he expects. It's going to be a massacre next week all around the league. So the NFL, I assume talking to each other, trying to get trades done maybe last second before cuts happen, there's going to be a lot of massive names cut. As we saw yesterday, Kyle Van Noy, Kyle Rudolph gone. Next week, 
this could be something that we might see an entire turn of a page of a new chapter for a lot of teams who have to get rid of some notables or on contracts that are big and were meant for a salary cap that escalated. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's unfortunate that guys, there's going to be a lot of big, ta- big name guys, I guess, that are going to have to get cut if they don't agree to restructuring their deal. Some teams may try to restructure if they can, but a massacre. Yeah, just, there's going to be some huge, like, I, there's, there's obviously names out there that we talk about, but I, I want to know, like, one or two just complete stunners. Like, can you think of any? Well, yesterday it already started. Yeah, like, Kyle who Van Noy. Who would have thought? Like, it was never even, never even crossed my mind. No, I think there was a chance we're going to ask him to maybe come on a little bit closer to the draft to talk about the Dolphins and, yeah. like, you know, that like, I think that was in my head. It was like, all right, so we got a guy down in Miami, that team's building. Great interview every single time he comes on. That, that's somebody we, I think that was everybody in our world's mindset. It was like, all right, excited to hear the thoughts. And then he's gone quickly, by the way. It was like a boom, boom, pow, pow. And then Kyle Rudolph yesterday, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, I guess the writing was on the wall for this. A lot of people said that they were asking him to take a pay cut. That wasn't going to happen. The new offense, he wasn't getting as much reps. There's a massive name that's currently on the on the market in the tight end world. He's going to end up somewhere. Said, I'll go to the Patriots. He don't care. He'll go, hey, I'll, he can play football. I'll go up there. That, that was another big name that came on after we got off the air yesterday, AJ. He's a big name guy that could bring a bunch of value to a team too. Like I think he still has plenty of production left. What about Green Bay? Has he thought about that? Go play the Vikings twice. And Big Bob Tunyon there on the other side. Mm-hmm. So you got Big Bob and Rudolph going after it. Why not give Aaron? A, does Aaron have we talked to Aaron about Kyle at all? No, I don't think so. I think he likes him. Yeah, you see, we like Kyle. Yeah, he's a good guy. We like Kyle. We like Aaron. You would assume ipso facto. Only problem is Goonkoots. Oh, yeah, wow. Guntkun said he gave an answer earlier today about Aaron Jones or maybe last night where he said absolutely nothing. He mentions the franchise tag and Aaron Jones, but basically ends it with a situations or situational type speech here. <laughs> Guntkun in this offseason, just like last offseason, appears to not be doing anything to potentially get over the hump of the NFC Championship game where you guys lost, right? I mean, last year, it seemed like there was a, a an ability to get better. This year, the team did get vastly better, looked like a much different team than from a year ago, but it looks like this offseason is going to come and go yet again, and the Green Bay Packers aren't going to be making the splash signing and not giving in to what other teams are doing it, continuing to do it the Green Bay Packer way, and the Green Bay Packer way seems to be have a top – Quarterback of all time. Yeah, generational talent. Yeah, top, uh, gener- because you can even go back to Favre, right? Favre mm-hmm. was yeah, three, an incredible. Three well, MVPs in a row. Yeah, what I'm saying is like you just get a guy and then you go like, all right, now everything else we can kind of fuck up. You know what I mean? We can mm-hmm. kind of figure out everything else. That seems to be an interesting way of doing things, but you could see how if you're a fan of that team, you'd be like, can we not just one time like – can we go? I mean, Charles Woodson, I guess, got brought in. And yeah. they paid Smith brothers or anything mm-hmm. like that. But let's make some splashes. Let's make some plays if you're a fan of the Packers. Let's do this thing, AJ. I mean, yeah, let's make some plays. But also at the same time, how many big name free agency signings over the years don't work out? I feel like there's so many. Like, I think the better <sighs> ones are almost like the middle of the road ones. Like, you you filled a spot that needed and somebody kind of got a, you know, when we say they, they got to change a pace where they just needed a, a new place to, to try it out, and they, they became much better at their next team. Warren Sharp put out a graphic that was <laughs> a, Im, impossible to read. And I actually <laughs> I actually had to tweet him and say, like, we'll file this one under impossible to read, is what I said. He put out this graph, basically, that said it was like 
the amount of money you put out versus the amount of wins they have. And on the internet, people are looking on their phone. He's got, there's six deep, five wide. There's oh, yeah. 30 graphs on this one thing. There's just, I mean, there's just no way that any human's going to be able to understand that, right? I mean, that's wow. just, he tweeted that out as if, Sports Stooge, yeah, for instance, he, he, he tweeted out as, as if Sports Stooge me would be able to figure that out or anybody else. A lot of people have, by the way, because there's a lot of big brain individuals that follow Warren Sharp. But then he sent a follow-up graph, basically, and it said, you know, the old adage, you can't win, can't win in March, right? Can't win the Super Bowl in March or whatever. Mm-hmm. He sent a follow-up graphic that basically said, like, do teams that overspend in free agency win games? And then this was the follow-up graph. No's the blue, okay? And then yes is the yellow. So basically, he said, here, for the Stooges, this is how it works out normally. When you spend, you don't win. Although it has happened in the past, it doesn't really work out. Now, this is interesting because if you look at teams that are active in the free agency market but don't spend, those are the teams that people are ring chasing to. If you're spending a lot of money, you're trying to create your team to become a place where you don't have to spend as much money for other veterans to come and play there. So I don't think the adage of saying teams that are active in free agency lose. I think the adage should be the teams that are active in free agency that have to pay a lot of money because their team isn't a ring-chasing team yet, they lose. And that team probably was going to lose beforehand. So I don't like the narrative that being you know, relaxed and calm in free agency is necessarily the best because I don't think that's the case. I think you should try to make your fucking team better, don't you, AJ? I absolutely think so, but I think it's easy to overreach too and, and try to go out and, and grab a guy, oh, all of a sudden, the receiver that you thought was most people thought was like an average to above average player gets a, a gigant, gigantic contract with a team, and all of a sudden, a year and a half in, like they have to cut them or they're trying to restructure. Now, I will say, if you do that, you're probably bad at a lot of things, then, right? If you're making that decision, if you're overpaying where somebody else is, you're probably what terrible scouting. You're probably mm-hmm. there. There's probably That's what you have to do at bad teams. They have to overpay though to get people. Yeah, because they fucked up, so they're trying to make up for something, but. That's why that graph, though, like that's what I'm talking about. I I hate that the narrative is, you know, the teams that spend money during free agency, they lose, which, by the way, the stats probably say that. But can we dive a little bit deeper into the situation that is those stats? Is it not? Is it because of the free agents now at the Indianapolis Colts there at the beginning of the new regime? They brought in some free agents that did not work out. They spent a lot of money, and we had a good team, though. Like, who was it? Who did they bring in like during that time? I don't. I can't remember. So we paid uh, Leron Landry a lot of money. Uh, oh, he yeah. he Jack. had just come off of Jack. I love that dude. <laughs> one of my favorite humans I've ever encountered. Literally of all, and I would assume people would never guess that. People wouldn't be like, oh, Leron Landry incredibly hysteric like a hilarious motherfucking dude hilarious dude high like worked his ass off legitimately worked his ass off wasn't scared to be on the scout team special teams look teams okay play because he's because he's so big he's gonna kill every single person on the field the guy's like a professional bodybuilder yeah but he was like willing you know like he got paid a lot of money and he was willing to be on look teams for the special teams he played special teams for us for whatever reason it just didn't work out so we were spending a massive amount of money on a player that wasn't playing where he was supposed to be playing. Now, if we could have got Laurent Landry as just a special teamer or whatever and paid him the top dollar for special teamers, I mean, we would have had a fucking Pro Bowl every single year. <laughs> the guy was unbelievable. We were paying him top safety money. We were setting the market on safety money, and it didn't 
for whatever. Was it the defense? Was it him? Who knows? Incredible. But then also we got Arthur Jones. We brought him over from Baltimore. He got hurt early, so it didn't pan. Now, that wasn't Arthur Jones' fault. He got hurt, but that didn't pan out. We had a lot of money that was just sitting that wasn't playing or whatever, but our team was good. We had Andrew Luck, so we were able to win. So that probably counts as a success story, but in stats, it was not, uh, in real life, it was not a success story. That's why I can't believe all that stuff that you see out there. I just sent a graph into the group. It makes it a lot easier to read than what, um, what's his name, was was doing with the graphs and what's stuff. What's his like, name? Warren Sharp, dude. Warren. I'm not good with names. Dude. Also, no this year, isn't there a thought because a lot of players are getting cut that you might not have to overpay as much for free agents? Well, yeah, because the market's yeah. going to be rather competitive. It, it's a buyer's market. That's right. Hey, it's going to be a buyer's <laughs> market coming up with a massacre next week. Actually, shout out to the Dolphins and Vikings letting Kyles get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Hey, mm-hmm. you guys get out early. We don't know what's going to happen next week. All hell's about to break loose. We'll give you a little bit of a head start. We're going a different direction. What were you going to say, Nick? So just based off what we know, if we assume the cap number is at 185 for mm-hmm. an argument's sake, looking at Spotrack, if you believe their numbers, there are 16 teams that are already over that number. Yeah, and that that's the massacre that they're mm-hmm. talking about. Oh, my God. Kickers and punters are going to get. You think? Oh, are no, they? dude. If you're making a lot, don't you think they're going to ask a lot of them to take a pay cut if you're yeah. getting paid good money? Yeah. Fuck. Hacker. They yeah. should all come together. Hey, Look all the kickers hack- and punters should stand together, Pat. They should come together and make uh, a pact. Okay, none of us are taking a pay cut. No, yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> There's a lot no of guys chance. on the internet that are kicking balls right now trying to get a chance, and they're going to get their opportunity coming up. You know, the guy you just said, Hecker. Mm-hmm. Morstead didn't have his best year. Yeah. He- oh, don't you fucking say that <laughs> about either of these guys. But I assume there's going to be a lot of kickers and punters potentially being asked to take pay cuts because that million dollars to $1.5 million you can get from there, that is going to go a long way, especially if there's 16 teams that are over and they're just trying to cut as much as they can. Oh, no. Kickers and punters are going to get it next week. What about long snappers? Do you think any snappers are (laughs) under fire? No, because once they raise the veteran minimum, you know, to 800 grand or whatever it was, like the highest a long snapper was making was like a million bucks a year, 1.2 million bucks. Is that a big enough difference with if they ask them to go to $300,000? Maybe, I guess. I don't know. I think a team, yeah, teams look at it like that. You know what? Hey, look for next year to be the year where people get their eyes opened to, you know, the difference between a good kicker and punter and a great kicker and punter. Mm-hmm. Now, it's already kind of slowly happening with the 33-yard extra point. You're watching it kind of take place. And I do feel like I've been a part of some people maybe paying attention a little bit more to field position and punters. You, there's a separation, a clear separation between the great kickers and punters and the good kickers and punters. And I, I, I'm not saying that the good kickers and punters can't become great kickers and punters, but there's a – and everybody that says, like, all oh, punters and kickers don't matter, it means that on your particular team you probably have a, uh, a shitty one. Once you experience, like, a great one, like, okay, going to go through, the field's going to get flipped. Like, this is – you're like, oh, okay, like, we have a good fucking – this is good for us. This is good for our team. We're seeing actual success. Next year, I think you're going to see a lot less of those great guys. Oh, no. I see a lot more bombs. I think, hey, I think you become much more aware of how important that position is when you have a bad one. Like, I know when oh, we were yeah. trying to figure out the punting situation Same early in my way. time in Green Bay, when we went through multiple guys, and you're like, wow, we're not used to this. Like, we, you're just not. Like, you, you can't flip the field. All of a sudden, there's hey. errant punts going out of bounds, which I was happy they're out of bounds because I was on the punt team. But, bro, it's like a turnover happens when a bad punt happens yeah. on the oh, sideline. Yeah. Like, in Lambeau, I remember a couple times in Lambeau, 
they don't really ever boo there. But oh. like a couple of really bad punts early in my oh. time, like that place got. That's what weird. you hear. You're. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the sound, right? So, like whenever you're a punter, that's what you're like. Look, whenever you hit one, you hear like a. Oh, it's like literally like a fireworks. Like oh, you hear like an oh, like a like a good one. And then whenever it's a bad one, you're oh, like you're <laughs> the most disgusting thing ever. I, I hit a shank. Uh, everybody does, obviously, but I hit a shank and I jogged off to the sideline. And Chuck Pagano screaming to the defense, "Put the fire out!" Put the fire out. Put the fire out. The fire means all momentum just got flipped. It was an interception, a turnover, or something like that. And you're being tasked on a short field. Like, hey, put the fire. He was saying it. I was like, God damn, put the fire out. That's how bad of a punt that was. Like that. That was like a real. That was a real. But next year, I think you're gonna see a lot of shitty. I think you're gonna see a lot of shitty guys just because it's gonna be price gouging. Uh, in other special teams ish news, this is a time of the year where teams are proposing rules. The fourth and fifteen rule uh, and seven onside kick is coming back up for a vote. It was sixteen sixteen last year. It takes twenty four votes to pass. Eight people are going to have to swing, but let's assume if you swing one of them, you'll swing four of them. Let's assume they they potentially vote in packs. These billionaires. Mm-hmm. Let's assume that they uh, the Eagles are again proposing an onside kick alternative that would give teams the chance to maintain possession with a fourteen and fifteen. Fourth and 15 play, sorry, per Mark Mask. That proposal has had growing support in recent years, and it was 16-16. Takes 24 votes Can't via at my sports update. No. It's interesting that the Eagles are the one proposing this because they just want to be associated with this rule going forward because that in no way benefits their team. Jake Elliott, actually pretty good kicker, like really good kicker. I'd assume he's pretty good onside kicker, uh, although there's not a lot of success in onside kicks anymore with the way the rules are in the lack of effort by kickers, I think, which probably because of the lack of amount of success, probable outcomes, they don't put in as much work. So it's a little bit upsetting as a former onside kick specialist, basically, to see what it has become. But the fourth and 15 would be awesome. I mean, I'd be people would Where do assume, they start? People would assume that I'd be keep the ball though. I think it was the twenty-five. People would assume I'd be against it, but I'm not 100 percent against. It. Yeah, I think it was your own twenty-five, mm. and then it was a turnover. Yeah, yeah, they get a chance, or you get to go ahead. And then we thought about if a team is just like, for instance, the Chiefs. Imagine the Chiefs just scoring, getting the ball, scoring, awesome. fourth and fifteen, scoring. Fourth and fifteen, scoring twenty-one, nothing before the first quarter's over, and it's just like, all right, check ball, ball game. You know what I mean? Like, let's get out of here. I think you have to make it a little bit more difficult, though, don't you, to like fall in line with how difficult back it is up. to back, recover. Back them up, like on their. That's what back I mean. Up on their own two or something. <laughs> well, well, either, yeah, hey, but that playbook's getting real small back here inside their own. Either tent. that or make it like fourth and twenty-five. I feel like teams convert third and longs and like fourth and longs like a decent amount. I don't feel like fourth and fifteen is as difficult as it is to recover an onside. We can do the two-yard thing, the two-yard line thing, as long as a safety or a fumble and score doesn't count against score because no, we're going to a lot of fucking backdoor risk, covers and stuff friend. like that. Yeah, that fucking charge. We're going to ruin gambling. Motherfucker. <laughs> Let's get to a break. <laughs> West Virginia last night. What? Did they, did they not cover? Thanks, AJ. <laughs> I didn't see the game. Like, I'm a big Bob Huggins fan. You know that. He did not get his 900th win. Last night, Baylor actually won their first Big 12 championship in 71 years. Jeez. Wait, it was already the Big 12 championship? No, nah, season. Regular. Regular season. Anyways. Now they have a tournament, right? Those start this weekend, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, it's coming up. We interrupt this conversation to tell you that no matter what stage of life you're in, thinking about your financial future can evoke some pretty strong feelings. 
But did you know that people who work with a financial advisor feel more at ease about their finances and end up with 15% more money to spend in retirement on average? Now, thanks to Smart Asset, the service that over half a million people have trusted to help find an advisor, there's a free and easy path to help you find greater financial peace of mind. Smart Asset has built a safe, easy, and convenient tool to find vetted financial advisors in your area. So stop tossing and turning and take action today. Here's how it works. Begin by taking Smart Asset's short quiz, and within minutes, Smart Asset will match you with three pre-screened fiduciaries, each legally obligated to act in your best interest and each willing to do a no-commitment financial consultation. They'll also send you a free personalized retirement planning guide with actionable advice so you can feel confident in your next steps. Take control of your financial future today with Smart Asset. To receive your free personalized retirement planning report, go to smartasset.com slash McAfee. Your report will provide personalized insights on your retirement readiness, so visit Smart Asset, S-M-A-R-T-A-S-S-E-T dot com slash McAfee today. Back to the show. I believe this is the first time on the show. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've known this man now for some time. I've been a fan of his at home, watching on TV every Saturday morning, getting a chance to chat with him a little bit during our college game day times, has been absolutely magnetic. This dude, although I call an idiot and stupid, (laughs) is probably the smartest person we've had on this show in some time. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Falica, also known as Bear from College Game Day. How you doing, pal? Give myself a a little clap there, too. I'm doing well. Now, the, the thing I'm curious about, did you have the nunchucks last night during the uh, yeah. the West Virginia game? Yeah. See, if it were me, I would not want to have had the nunchucks. They probably would have gone flying. <laughs> okay, Bear, let's get right to it. So the reason why this is happening, and by the way, this is this is too too much time has passed before you coming on the show. We appreciate you making time here, and it's great to have you. The boys are all, I mean, legit. Oh, Bear. Legit. The boys are buzzing. for it. Not every guest gets a buzz. Now, no. Motor City Dan Campbell got quite a buzz. You're mm-hmm. coming on his day. He had quite a performance. But whenever I said Bear was coming on, boys got very pumped. So we appreciate you. Last night, you and I were texting because uh, we both hammered WVU plus four at mm-hmm. home against Baylor. WVU hot basketball team. Baylor seemed to be sputtering. Bob Huggins is up for his 900th game. And as soon as that game started to unfold, you texted me basically and said, we're <laughs> fucked. And then as the oh, yeah. game continued to go, I was texting you, oh, no. That's all I was sending, oh, no. And then you were like, oh, yeah, it's happening. And then it did right in front of us. You've been in the gambling game so long, so, so long. It feels like you knew exactly what was going to happen, bro. Oh, no, it, it, overtime is where underdogs go to die. And it's funny, I've had a, a running joke with uh, – Chad Millman, who used to be at ESPN and now he's at the Action Network, that we would get into an argument, myself and Chad and Stanford C, that I always say right side, wrong result. And that was the vintage right side, wrong result game. Well, what, what did Baylor have that game covered for like 30 seconds uh, after halftime <laughs> last night? And as soon as it went to overtime, West Virginia was really never not the right side in the game. They should have won the game outright. Over, overtime and the underdog is a bad, bad combination. And again, it, it unfortunately played out that way but hey on, on a brighter note like if you're looking for uh like for some mountaineers like futures and stuff maybe you get a little bit of a uh, a better future price now a ticket to better because i still think this is a dangerous team come tournament 
you, you got a go-to guy in Culver. You got a guy who's reached the Final Four before in, in hugs. You've got a McBride really good underrated supporting cast. Fuck it. I, I'm, I'm making me go. One or so. I think that's a great play. We got a white that can shoot. Hey, we got a white that can shoot, too. He, he looks like he's one of Beeline boys, that McNeil dude. We got a guy. AJ, I'm sorry, bub. Oh, you're good. Bear, are there any sports you won't bet on? And do you, do you seem to watch every game and everything that's on TV? It seems like you know everything. Well, well, but being that right now I have a, a Burnley Leicester City match on the TV, and I got uh, Gulfstream Park on the on the laptop behind you guys right now, the answer is probably no. Uh, you know, you know what the funny thing is? The one thing that I really don't uh, really have a knowledge of it is is like the NBA. Like, the, like I remember a couple of years ago when my when my buddies were talking about the teams tanking, and I followed it then because they were like going nuts. But I'm not I'm not big into the um, the NBA prognosticating. That's for sure. Uh, didn't you start? Now you went to the U, right? University of Miami, mm-hmm. yep. and you got your start. And this might be a private conversation. You don't want me to say publicly, but I think it's so fascinating. I think people should hear it. You started at like the highlight down there, which if you do recall, oh, that was where it. Jackass went, where Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O mm-hmm. were just getting oranges yeah. uh, thrown at them basically <laughs> down there. That's where you kind of got your start in this entire thing. Is it? Am I wrong in saying well, that? Well, even early, I got to start even earlier than that, like growing up on Long Island, like a horse racing was like the thing. And I'd go to the track with my dad and his godfather he used to write for a daily racing publication. But yeah, well, once we got to Miami, it was like literally all bets are action. Like, like my go going to the the fronton was like part of like the Thursday tradition. You'd go for like fifty cent hot dogs and fifty cent beers, and then you'd you'd bet like your canela boxes and and, and watch like rigged games, which was unbelievable. <laughs> it was a great college budget, but dude, that that highlight stuff is really really fun to watch. How did Hard you, shit too? How did you? How did the the bear on game day thing start? Because. I remember for a long time they would pick games and then as sports gambling started getting more prominent, it felt like you kind of came in there. But even whenever, just a few years ago, I was, um, you know, I, I was commentating Thursday night games alongside Molly McGrath, Adam Amin, and Matt Hasselbeck. And we, at the summit before them, they were like, hey, when you're talking about gambling, like be balanced mm. with it. You can't actually hit it. And then your segment is basically like, hey, this is the, the best bets of the weekend. And you have a winning record, by the way, which is congrats on that whole thing. But how did that whole thing happen? Transition? Were you just telling Herbie locks behind the scenes? And then they're like, let's put this on camera so everybody can make money. Or how did you oh, get involved? Without, without a doubt, I mean, Kirk was Kirk's the biggest. I mean, he he's he's dropping uh, nickels and dimes on games. I'm completely kidding. But I, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> no, it, it's funny because I mean, I had always grown up in the Northeast and then being at Miami, and I, I speak the language and have kind of been around in my uh, my life. But uh, we we basically reached a point where we're like, we're not going to be naive about it, really. And, and Chris Fowler used to do the Mighty Dog and. And we would always have conversations about that kind of like concealing it closer than the experts think or, or, or things like that, a high scoring game. And then when a lot of the legalization came came about, uh, Lee Fitting and, uh, and Kirk and Chris and myself, like basically it was like, OK, we're not going to like beat around it anymore. We're going to put it together in like a uh, an entertaining, informative type way where it's not basically going to be like this is a, a 10,000 star lock, but present a, a stat or a number or a uh, 
a nugget or a trend that, that might be uh, interesting to someone, even if they're not betting on a game, like like just something like hey, under under Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State has won 10 or 11 times. They've been an underdog outright, where even if you're not betting, as someone watching yeah. that game, you're like, hmm, maybe they do have a chance against Ohio State or whomever today that they're an underdog. Sorry, I didn't mean to like use that as it was like, it was like the first example off the top of my head. No, but, no, it's okay. But, Michigan <laughs> State stinks. We. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that, that was really how it came about, and it, it was essentially a way to fill some time. Like about the year that the show went to three hours, uh, I had always been hesitant about doing it, and then Lee and, and Ian Kirk were like, "No, you're doing it. We have time now. We're absolutely going to put you in the show." And uh, uh, ever since then, it's kind of uh, worked out. Yeah, so I, I am proud that I do have a. a a positive record since the show began last year was a little tough and i think last year was a little tough for a lot of people but uh yeah. overall it's been good and hopefully uh, we'll continue to do well bear how are you able to i guess kind of tread the line of hey this is kind of what i do i'm great at this and it's not taking over my whole life because you kind of seem like the target audience for those ads we hear that say hey if you have a gambling problem <laughs> you need to call it right now. <laughs> yeah it, 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 it's funny guys. i've never really had an issue with that which is like great um i guess i just have a, a good bit of control just knowing what you don't know and just it, it was funny how i was having a conversation with someone the other day about this and like the, the, the big the biggest thing that i think a lot of people have to overcome is like volume like if you lose if you lose a bet it's like okay i don't want to fire on the next <clears throat> three games that are that, that, that are coming up just because you happen to lose one and you got a bad beat or whatever. It's, it's about really about being selecting. And then, and then you get the guys on like Friday or Saturday when I'm sitting there and uh, who do you like, who do you like? And I'll give them like two games or three games or maybe four if there's one that I like that I didn't put on the board. And then they start asking me about 11 other games and I'm like, do you want the games I like? <laughs> and I pay you because you're watching TV. Like like, like last night, like I said the example last night on Daily Wager, I was like, the, the Purdue-Wisconsin games, like a game that I'm going to watch is going to be a really good game, but I want no part of betting on it. So it's just basically like, don't just bet on a game because it's on TV or so, but there are people that like to have a little bit of action, so I guess you can't complain. Yeah, it's hard, by the way, when you're on the right side wrong result not to no. fire one off immediately uh -huh. afterwards to get back on like the lakers or something like that and that is <laughs> that is a tough go for a tuesday march 2nd 2021 um bear bear yes sir you and i this year on game day mm -hmm. had some of my favorite moments i've ever had on television i want to let you know that you and me bantering back and forth I am happy that I didn't have to tell you that I didn't actually think you were stupid or an idiot while I was telling <laughs> millions of people on Saturday on ESPN that you were stupid or you were an idiot. Have you always been in like uh, the competitive world? Did you play any sports? Because that, that's kind of like a, uh, a mentality of like an athlete. You know, you can kind of bicker, talk yeah. shit or anything like that. How did you oh, yeah. get into the sports? Were you always just a diehard fan? What was it? Both. I mean, I, mean, I, I didn't play anything. Uh, collegiately, I, I stopped, but I did play high school uh, football and baseball, and, and it kind of stopped after that. But I've always been around sports, and I've, I've been the like the, like the idiot keeping stats for games since I was a young kid, <laughs> like watching Yankees games during the during during the summer growing up. But yeah, I, I've always been the kind of like a, a little bit of a, a competitive streak to me. But but yeah, I, high schools where my athletic ability stopped. I uh, decided to go to Miami because I knew I was never going to make it. Uh, 
playing college sports, college football, but I knew if I was around a, a big-time athletic program and a big-time market that uh, I was going to get some ins and kind of prepare myself for the future. I've always known that I wanted to work in and around sports. Um, I'm getting – Zito has a question for you about the U immediately following this, but I, did a tree fall in your house yesterday? Yes. Oh, two nights ago, we had a, a massive windstorm in the state of Connecticut. And uh, about 4 or 4.15 in the morning, all of it, we just hear this loud bang. And my w- wife and I are like, like startled, wake up. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and, uh, and and sure enough, yeah, currently right now, there is a there is a tree resting on the uh, the roof of our place. And the ironic thing. Did it come through? Lived here. No, fortunately, it didn't oh, come through. That's nightmare, by the way. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. We, 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 and, and the scariest thing and the ironic thing is we're moving in like 10 days and our house is sold and we have a, a closing date. So now we got to deal with the condo association to get it off our roof and uh, and get the repairs inside the house before closing. So that's been the uh, that's been the headache. But we have we've been here 15, 16 years, had no issues 10 days before we're moving out. Boom, tree. Well, get the chainsaw, Bear. What do you have, Diggs? Get up on that roof, Bear. Get up on that roof. That's <laughs> nightmare for me. I look outside, I see massive tree, and I'm like, if that thing gets going, I mean, I'm I'm a dead man. Actually, in the street I grew up in, uh, Jay and I, there was always we're at the bottom of the hill, you know. Uh, Diggs live top of the hill, but bottom of the hill flooded. There was massive trees. We had a lot of woods or whatever. And it, it would get windy, and you would see this one tree start to come a little bit. And it was like, that'd be a nightmare if it happened. Just two years ago, fucking uh, a house two doors down got split right in half by one of the trees. It was like, oh, my God, that would be so scary. Uh, Diggs, what do you have? Uh, Bear, my most fascinating thing about sports betting to me is that there's a billion different ways that you can bet a game or go about picking games to bet. Are you a trends guy? Do you look at matchups? Are you stats? Are you – a an eye test guy. How do you go about picking games? A, a, a little bit of everything. What I will like, what I prefer to do, is look at some of the matchups and some of the numbers, and, and look at maybe a situation. And then if there is a if there is a, a trend or something with uh, a head coach or or a spot with a, a ranking and it backs up what I'm seeing with my eyes and what the numbers are telling me, uh, that that's that's really good. And, and then the, you know it's it's kind of funny and you hate to admit it, but there are guys out there who it's like oh well, I love blah 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 tonight. You kind of file that away and be like yeah they they like that. So I mean I might want to be on the other side. Some guys yeah. who are just cursed and snake bitten Evan Fox. Uh, it, it, it's, it's always at a Bronx tale with, with the, the mush and just uh, I, the, the mush has got him just rip it up and go and, and just it's, it's a loser so I mean there are and, and heck I was that for about a month and a half during the football season too so uh, we, we all have our bad runs but yeah I try and uh, the first thing I always look will look at are like the numbers in a particular matchup or maybe a, a team with a, a strength is going up with a team that doesn't necessarily perform very well in, in that category as well speaking of mushes there's currently a fade foxy boost on FanDuel right now. We have a kid who works here, Evan Fox. You've met him. Handsome kid that travels mm-hmm. around with me. He is the biggest mush on earth right now. <laughs> the fade foxy is 15 and 7, I believe, over the last 22 oh nights. God. Now, FanDuel has boosted the fade tonight. <laughs> he uh, It is a, a boosted odd situation, so everybody can probably cash in. I've been riding with this kid during this thing. It has gotten expensive. Oh, who, 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 who is he on tonight? Yeah, so he told me, he texted me, I had to ask him for the boost to be made or whatever. He is on, um, he's on Warriors minus two. Oh, 
Hundred percent, he says. By the way, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm on Portland. We're good. Yeah. So, so who, who, whoever the Warriors are playing, Portland. Yeah. Have to look. Portland. Oh, I'll Portland. Okay. Good. Portland plus two. <laughs> take, a look, take a look at that. Now listen, I'm, Bear. I'm, 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 on, I'm on game time tonight. Bear, not a big NBA guy, but he did no, say yeah. if he sees somebody is ice cold, mm -hmm. let's go ahead and fade that guy. It's I'm, just, I'm in. That's all I need to know. Zito, what do you have, pal? Yeah, so we uh, we're crunching some numbers back here, and we noticed that uh, you might have went to school with The Rock. We've been watching Young Rock. It's probably one of the greatest shows. Do you have any stories <laughs> of uh, good old Rock? No, I, 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 n I never really uh, encountered much time with him. I, I know, I mean, it, it's funny because he was on that uh, on the defensive line with uh, with Warren Sapp, who is awesome. And uh, the, the ironic thing is, like, the highly touted guy on that defensive line was a guy by the name of Patrick Riley. And he hurt his knee, and he never really reached his potential. But yeah, that, that was a, he crossed over one year with me. So I graduated in '93 or '94, rather. So he was there like '93. Are you going to be on the so show? Like, Are you going to be on Young what? Rock? No, I can't. I can't disclose that right no. now. No, oh, okay. disclosure agreement. So I, no. imagine that bear one to to be on Young Rock. Uh, Chris, we appreciate you. What are you? Uh, what's a bet we should uh, think about locking in? How do you feel? Who do you feel good about here? What do we feel good about tonight? Let me, uh, let me take a quick look. There is. Hey, do you follow Gumpy for soccer picks? By the way, might be a good idea. I don't like to tell other gamblers what to do. No, 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 I don't. They, 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 my, my soccer guy is a guy by the name of Nigel Seeley. Yeah, over Nigel's in good. Uh, over in England. He, you know uh, Nigel? Yeah, yeah. Someone who I've had a relationship Gumpy with. Talk to each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, hey, my put, soccer no. sharp talks to your soccer sharp. <laughs> it's a it's a budding friendship <laughs> rivalry situation. Oh, dude, because you're gonna pay for Nigel's right. picks. So maybe, maybe Northwestern might be worth a little look to. And Maryland coming off of a. Uh, a solid performance. I, I, I can see the Terps getting a little bit of a support, and Northwestern hasn't been playing exactly great lately. But as a home dog against a Maryland team that can kind of be uh, up and down, especially off a, a good performance, the uh, Purple Cats might be uh, getting, getting getting some money tonight. All right, I appreciate you, Chris. You're the best. Blaze and gentlemen, well, they can follow you. Daily Wager, where else? Yep, Daily Wager, Twitter, Instagram, all, all of you. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm easily found. And then Steve and I will have a uh, an NCAA tournament pod coming up soon, too. Let's go. Can't wait to hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Fowler. Thank you. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast today. I'm so thankful for the conversations. MCDC, deep thinking. Yeah, I think so. I think he's a deep thinker. Mm -hmm. I think the meathead title is not worthy of the man that he is. Although he is electrifying, though. Absolutely. Hey, Foxy always says it, but I might be on board with Lions 10-7 and 7 playoff wins. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks to him. Arthur Smith, he's a dry sense of humor, sarcastic guy. I think mm -hmm. Atlanta's got a good one down there. Um, big thanks to Bear, AJ, the boys, and all of you. Can't thank you enough for listening to this show. I honestly feel as if at the end of these shows, uh, the fact that you guys stick around – I, I, it's like a, it's like a win. Like we get. A, thank you so much for winning. It's like I'm accepting an award. The fact that you allowed us to penetrate your ear holes for this long. Whenever there is so much other content you could potentially listen to, the fact that you rock with us, I am eternally grateful. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Wednesday. Tomorrow's show, good show, great show tomorrow. Well, maybe we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. I also. Mean, uh, I'm going to play his independent music, but shout out Dave Trago, Jake Trago. Thinking about your brother. 
Did we put any parts of those? Yeah, in? it should be in the show too, but okay, just to good. make just to cover the bases and make sure. Okay, good. Jacob Trago, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, you're gonna beat this dog. Hell yeah! And on the other side, the music is gonna be just as delightful. I appreciate you, uh, Ty. Please play some "Year of the Buffalo." Cheers. Run red with blood And you know why Cause they are coming They're coming for me They are coming It was fast living And the money too And I had loving Sweet as honeydew But now they're coming They're coming for me They are coming Now if I go, honey, let me go Down the river on the Ohio Bury me deep in the water If I go, honey, let me go Down the river on the Ohio Bury me deep in the water wide I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side
Oh, man. 